0: Um, so you really not a huge Billy Joel fan?
1: I like Billy Joel. I mostly know stuff as him being a big Jason Brown influence. Oh my
0: God. <laughs>
1: Isn't that terrible?
0: What I love about you is that you're like pure music theatre. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you today?
1: Pretty good. How are you? Um,
0: well-ish. Yeah, yeah, the world's a
1: bit fucked, but yeah, so fucked. I, we're going to distract ourselves for a little while.
0: Yeah. Um. Look, just a little precursor. I apologize if if this is if this comes across as like I don't know trite. Um, us talking about Broadway musicals at a time of incredible global unrest, but um, this is a way to uh, do something that we enjoy while not hopefully diminishing what's going on in the world. We care very deeply.
1: Absolutely. And also these are recorded a little bit ahead of time. So the yeah. whole world could have changed before oh, we God, release this. So. Yeah. Hopefully for the better. 100%. Yeah. <sighs> donate where you can.
0: Please donate where you can. Have serious
1: conversations with the people in your lives. Yeah.
0: You know, call out racism.
1: Absolutely. We don't want
0: that shit in, in the world.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, Ruth, has your week been good? It's been good. I What
1: I thought I would start doing... He's writing down a few recommendations for people. Oh, my God.
0: I actually did the same thing. Did you really? Well, I, I What I thought was like, oh, I've just watched so many great YouTube videos lately. I'm just going to recommend a ton of yes, awesome YouTube so videos. I started
1: going through what books have I read and documentaries have I watched and things like that that, that our listeners might be interested
0: in. And they desperately want to know what you care about. Well, and also I'm a nerd. You
1: are. And so I've read some really and watched some really nerdy things over the years. Yes, you have. So if well, you're what? also a nerd, you might enjoy the same things.
0: <laughs> I assume you are if you're listening to this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Can
0: you tell us some of those things?
1: Well, this week I just wrote down a couple of books, which I've really enjoyed over the last few years, which are somewhat theatre themed. Love it. Um, so the first one is um, by Michael Riedel, who is still a columnist for the New York Post, I think. is Sort of known as this really kind of gossip columnist in the theatre and I don't necessarily approve of his tactics in writing his column but he wrote this book called Razzle Dazzle the Battle for Broadway and it's actually really great and it's I think it came out maybe about five years ago and it's sort of a just over a period of time telling, dishing stories of Broadway, like stuff like when Phantom came to Broadway and stories about that and different, just a whole lot of different shows over many, um, many years. And That's it's really cool. good. It's really well written. There's lots of great stories in there. So,
0: so it's like a cool Broadway gossip column. Yeah, just
1: like a Broadway book with lots of
0: stories. Definitely that recommend cute. that. It sounds palatable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So these are, neither of these are like heavy – <laughs> like <laughs> academic books or anything like that about theatre. They're just a I bit lighter. I would actually lighter. like to read
0: an academic I have lots. I can lend theater. them to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and the other one is called Song of Spider-Man, the inside story of the most controversial musical in Broadway history.
0: Ooh, and do you think that's true? It is the most controversial? i
1: would be, be up there. <laughs> um, and it's written <laughs> by Glenn, Glenn Berger. So for those who don't know, we're talking about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the yeah. Spider-Man musical that opened in 2010, I think, or 2011. Yeah, it's not it's that around there. Long ago. I saw it in 2011. It had been open for a little while when I saw it, though. Mm. So I think it was 2011. Um, and Glenn Berger was the book writer of the musical. So if you imagine the creative team is him, no one knew who he was at that stage. It's got a great name, Glenn Berger. Great Glenn Berger. Name. <laughs> the director, Julie Taymor, yeah. of Lion King fame and other things, and then Bono and the Edge of U2. And I love Bono
0: and The Edge. You do love you too, don't you? And you too, passionately. You do. So I like to think of this moment in history as just a, a blip.
1: Well, I think we talked about it in another episode, maybe the Waitress episode about pop stars writing musicals. Yeah, well, like Sting and Cindy Lauper. Yeah. yeah, and how my sort of two cents is that they can write songs for people to sing on their own, but it's as soon as they have to write an ensemble mm. number that things kind of fall apart. Yeah. And that's what I felt like happened in this show yeah. um, with them. That's not their, the their only problem. Their talents are not where that lay. No. But it is one of the worst. I mean, you know, I don't talk bad about shows. You yeah. know that. I like most things. It is one of the worst shows I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> It was a train
0: wreck. Oh, and don't get wow. me wrong, the special effects were great. So, like, the production itself was fine, but the show. Mm, I don't know the production was oh, the that? production wasn't? No. But so the ac- it was like, a
1: The way that they did de- all the um, acrobatics and things like that, all those sorts of special effects were very impressive. I just, the he- show is
0: bad. Here's what I think, though. I don't think any version, any, any creation of Spider-Man in a musical format Will work. Mm. I just don't think it's it can be done.
1: I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility, but this certainly yeah, was I not it.
0: <laughs> uh, it was first performance was performance was 2011. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was the year I saw it. You were way
1: off. <laughs> I just remember everyone <laughs> getting up around us to give it give it a standing ovation at the Why? end, and, and my friend and I turning to each other and just being like, "Oh my god, this is the most." awkward standing ovation we've ever given in our lives.
0: Do you think, like, from everyone else's perspective, it was just a sympathy standing ovation? Well, I
1: think it was a lot of tourists. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think it was people who – the thing is, on Broadway, everyone gives everything a standing ovation. Oh, really? Everything.
0: I'm really discerning about my standing ovations.
1: 100%. In fact, I – there's even been some I've regretted not giving because no one else has gotten up and I really felt like I needed to. I will be
0: the lone person standing. Would you? Oh, yeah, but I'll also be the lone person sitting if the, mm. if the situation calls for it. I am I,
1: – I've definitely become a bit bolder with it as I've gotten older. We were right near the front. It would have been – Yeah, it, no, I'm it, happy it to stand like up. It felt like it was rude Not to the to. actors <laughs> if we didn't stand
0: up. So this is the only thing is that because I've been on the other side of a standing ovation, you don't really want to see the people who aren't. And, yeah. And as an actor, you can still see quite a few people in the, in the audience no I matter how don't want how to ruin anyone's day. No, that's it. Yeah. They're up there. They're trying their hardest, most of yeah. them. yeah. So It doesn't mean you should stand up all the time. You definitely shouldn't. But if the entire theatre is standing up – Yeah. But this is me giving advice when I don't take that advice. I will <laughs> vehemently be the one seated if a standing ovation is not called
1: for. You and you your convictions <laughs> –
0: but yeah, so this book's
1: great. It details the whole, how it went down and how cool. he just felt like he was this tiny cog and this enormous thing that was happening around him. You Paul know, Glenberger. he tells he tells the story about how uh, when they were first signing, like Bono and the Edge were like signing the contracts for it all to go ahead and the producer in the next room dropped dead of a heart attack.
0: Holy shit. Like
1: seriously. No. Yeah.
0: So, like, oh, that,
1: that producer who'd been leading the show for however many years.
0: If that is not foreshadowing, right? I don't know what is. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, I anyway, the laugh. book That's goes awful. on from there.
1: And <gasps> the musical went on, like, with other people. and Wow. Yeah. It's it like a cursed
0: musical hectic.
1: now. Shit. Yeah. There were,
0: that musical had fatalities.
1: No one died. Oh, that guy died. Yeah, well, that's Sorry. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but no, I, I, just a lot of people, I think musical. a lot of people think that a performer died and they didn't die.
0: No, but that, I mean, a producer is pretty important. <laughs> yes. Ooh, shit. Yeah, so. Okay. good recommendations. Read those
1: books. They're great.
0: <laughs> Mine are purely YouTube Great. I trash. love YouTube. <laughs> so I was watching, this is one of my favourite videos actually on YouTube and it's called Broadway Male Stars Belting. Okay. <laughs> It's a true delight. It goes for like 12 and a half minutes yep. <laughs> and it literally just, it's by this um YouTuber called Mr. Go Lightly. Oh, there's lots of those heaps.
1: comparison videos, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. So
0: that that channel has so many good videos, but this one is like, it starts with like a D4, which is sort of like a, a fairly high baritone note. It's yeah. the final note of stars. Okay. So the video starts with like Philip Quast singing the last note of stars and it goes up to like, The highest, it's like a, I don't know, it may even be like a D above high C or something crazy high in each, like each Broadway star singing their final. So the whole video is just these final notes and it comes up with like what the note is as the performer singing it. Is the last note of stars
1: one of those notes where it's like a, it's almost like a pretend money note where it sounds higher than it is because of how the song builds?
0: See, I actually think it's not like a low note. No. It's not. But, Not
1: if you're a baritone. Well,
0: no, but I also think that the types of voices that sing stars are baritones, Yeah, so they also sound – It sounds so rich. That's right. So it has this like rich sort of deeper sound yeah. even though like it, perhaps if a tenor voice were singing that note, it would say, it would have that light airiness to it. Mm. So I think it does depend on the type of voice. Like it, it was, re, it's really interesting in the video because you see different types of voices singing these notes and you can definitely tell the ones who are like who have that tenor tessitura? By mm. that I mean, like, what where your where their voice naturally sits, or the singers who have high notes but are maybe maybe baritones or, or lower yeah. singers? Because there's lots of those sorts of male performers who have just amazing ranges, but their their comfortable natural zone or their tessitura is not up there.
1: Yeah,
0: and you can really tell the difference between those voices. Like Jeremy Jordan is in there so many times because he has an insanely high voice. Yeah, and that's where his voice yeah kind of belongs. Yeah. But there's also like clips of say Cole Wilkinson, who I adore, and he has a really high voice. But that's not necessarily his natural, mm. like his his most like he comfortable... can hit those notes, oh, but he can it's hit not him. where
1: it's sort yeah. of. yeah. It, but
0: it sounds like he's really gunning it, you yeah. know. Whereas yeah. Jerry Jordan's like he's just, just yeah, whatever, into it.
1: walking down the street, <laughs> hits an A, yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah. Anyway, it's just one of my. It's one of the most delightful videos. I notice that I I watch that video when I'm feeling a little stressed.
1: Right, it's a good it just stress reliever. Me down. Yeah. Sidebar, you're calling it a D4. Now when we were younger, when we were teenagers, no one ever referred to notes like that.
0: No, I actually think it's a primarily American thing. Okay,
1: that's come here?
0: Well, it's it's a musical term, like because yeah. you, you do number it's the, the octaves. octaves on the, on the that's piano. right. Yeah. And and so we like as humans have a certain sort of a certain range of octaves that are more natural. Mm. Um, and yeah, we like when I was a kid we used to say like low G. Yeah, or the, that's like
1: the E above middle C and then high yeah, like high C, yeah. Which, to be fair, is not very specific. No,
0: it's not. So it is. <laughs> it is better to number them. Yes. Certainly. It's just funny that
1: it's a term that you n- we never heard mm. when we were teenagers, and yeah. now everyone's just like,
0: you know. Yeah. Well, so like high C is C six, I believe. Yeah. So like, it, it is easy to say I have a I have a C six. Mm then I have a high C like what does that mean and
1: people put it on their resumes and stuff I guess oh yeah. yeah 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 anyway that I just thought that was a random sidebar but it's something that's bothered me
0: well actually this is a good sidebar because I was listening to I'm I'm a complete narcissist and I was listening <laughs> to one of our episodes our past episodes and okay. I realized that there are lots of things that we talk about as if everyone has that knowledge mm. And I just thought I'm going to introduce a new little segment where we talk about like a really, a theatre term that we probably think is quite basic knowledge, but maybe needs to be explained. Sure. And I thought our first one should be what the difference is between a preview and like a, a full performance yep. of a Broadway show. Sure. So, I mean, you can butt in at any time, but it's my understanding that a preview is—it's open. A preview is open to the public performance, but it's sort of an opportunity for the directors and the creative team to make adjustments to a show before critics are invited to come to the show. Is that your you're
1: close? Yeah. So, when we're talking about Broadway, the previews are when changes can still be made. So, yes. literally, changes can still be made. Critics will normally come towards the end of previews once a show is frozen. Yeah. Um, but like, but critics will
0: be invited, right? When, they're, when the producers yeah, are as sort in of like, Yeah, I think they get yeah, given ready. comps.
1: Yeah. Um, but they don't. I think a lot of people think that critics come to opening night because the reviews come out on yeah. opening night.
0: Like, they normally come earlier than that.
1: The, yes, the critics yeah. attend. And often, in fact, on Broadway, I think critics often attend twice um, if it's in certain circumstances to really get a sense of the show. That's cool. Um, and maybe to see how it's changed during previews or something like that. But, yes. Once it's,
0: it's open, it can't change then. That's right. So yeah, once they, the previews so are over. when I say
1: frozen, that means that nothing can change after yes. that point. And you are seeing – that is the production mm. that will then go on to be licensed yeah. and replicated. And, and it's
0: not even just like you can't change songs or whatever, but like plots exist for for characters that like the character enters from here and that's – yes. so it, it's so – it's really tight then. It's tightly yeah. locked down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But in previews, I mean, if we're talking about a new musical, the, the whole well, show the can basically get rewritten. They are rehearsing during the day and yeah. then doing the show at night. There can be new songs going in at the day mm. and being performed that night on stage. Like mm. it can really change in that period. Yeah.
0: And which doesn't mean that when a show opens it can't still be in rehearsals like you'd be constantly rehearsing perhaps new cast and things as it yeah, changes but the, nothing's changing that's
1: right so the rehearsals would more be oh a new understudy is coming yeah. so we, we have to, to do a, that call it a put in yeah. when the understudy comes and they get them ready to be in the show yeah. and yes there's sort of different types of rehearsals yeah
0: and so the the preview season it, it's not really like a determined time it's sort of like however many sort of previews are necessary for the show yeah, it depends on many, what the
1: producers think that's basically. it so the producer
0: to sort of gauge what how many previews are needed, and then once it's ready, it will open.
1: And sort of naturally, a revival might have a shorter preview period yeah, than a new it's usually show because frozen. It's existing, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the staging isn't frozen, but the, 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 the music yeah, is the basically, is, yeah, 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 um.
0: So, yeah, when we talk about previews, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm.
1: And, I mean, I've I've actually been to quite a few first previews, which I love because there's always a great buzz. But some of those shows I wish I could have gone back to. To see how it changed. Beetlejuice is a good example. I saw the very first Broadway preview of Beetlejuice. Yeah. And I I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. And, and a lot of
0: people love it. Love it.
1: I mean, people that I really respect the opinions of. So it must
0: have changed. Yeah. And so,
1: and so I really want to go see it. I mean, it's now closed mm. on Broadway, but when it eventually so it comes here or goes to the UK or whatever, I would love to see it again and see yeah. a, a, the show again. Well,
0: I mean, like, recordings don't exist of preview shows, so you've had quite mm. a unique experience in seeing Beetlejuice in preview. Like, not many people could say that they had, even yeah. though the tickets are publicly available, so anyone can go to a preview. They're not closed off. Yeah. Um, but it's not, like, it's not an enduring sort of version no. of the show. It disappears. Well, my,
1: my favourite story about that is that I went to the very first – preview of all time of harry potter and the cursed child in oh london my god and
0: sometimes i want to smack your well,
1: head that, look like i just bought tickets yeah i was just the person buying tickets yeah, yeah, i ain't yeah. use any connections or anything <laughs> <laughs> anyway what happened in that preview was that they was they were using a live owl for hedwig yeah. or, well it's not hedwig it's whatever they yeah, call his owl. son of hedwig yes <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and so they had a live owl, it, it got spooked, it flew into the audience. Hilarious. And was sort of sitting up in a box in the, in the mezzanine and well, yeah, it's a live someone's bird. coming out at the end of act one trying to flash a torch, which oh, is obviously shoot. the animal handler's sign to get the, the owl back and all this. Anyway, that was the only performance that ever took place with a live bird.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. That's a super cool story. Yeah. I can't wait to read your book like, <laughs> in 20 years <laughs> of all of your stories that, yeah, amazing. Mm. So yeah, that's... Uh, that's a little segment I don't have a name for yet. Great. Things you may not have known.
1: I think the name might need some work.
0: Fuck you. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just to jazz it up a bit.
0: Jazz you up a bit.
1: Yeah, fair.
0: Oh, man. Okay. Sh- should we get into it? Yeah.
1: I'm first, right? Sure. I sure.
0: actually don't Who cares? Know.
1: I don't care. Uh, this week, yes. I am going to be covering my third favourite musical of all time.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Can you guess? I know it. I definitely know what it is. It's The Last Five Years. It's The
1: Last Five Years. Yeah, I
0: knew. Okay. So. Jason Robert Brown, The Last Five Years. Yes,
1: composed by Jason Robert Brown. It is our first musical that we've covered
0: that has never been on Broadway. I was actually – it's funny because I thought that this would be on your list and I thought, yeah, how are we going to mm. – because everything else has really had a Broadway run. Yeah, yeah.
1: not this one. I mean, this show is pretty enduring in a lot of other ways. Hugely famous, I would say. Yeah. And in terms of sort of my connection to it, I I mean, when when I talk about not just me, but like Josephine and my friendship, we were – as teenagers, we were obsessed with this show.
0: We've actually said that for many shows, but this one was like – This is – yeah. This is – I mean, in the sense that we discovered it together. Discovered it together. And also, I think, just went through the emotions of the whole show together. Yeah.
1: And also – you have to understand that, that at that time, like that was the Dear Evan Hansen, the yes. Hamilton. If you were a musical theatre fan in the mi- early, early early to mid two thousands, then this was the show that you were obsessed yeah. with.
0: And it wasn't. So now I think it's quite it's quite typical for musical theatre fans to be obsessed with it. But it was quite a niche thing yeah. to love at the time. Exactly, like it really was.
1: So I've you know we've loved it for that whole time and. Uh, to the point where, when I got married two years ago um, to Andrew, Josephine sang the next ten minutes with a friend of ours, Josh, in our wedding ceremony. Yes. So obviously, it's like
0: you a like very it.
1: important song yeah. in uh in in a song and musical in our lives yeah. and and uh, yeah. So
0: was there a time when it was like your number one? Do you reckon? Yeah, that's a good like, question. I don't think anything has ever.
1: Surfed into the woods. No.
0: But you would have, I mean, you knew it, it before. I would say it
1: definitely, heights. yes, I would de- say it definitely was number two for a long time. Yeah,
0: interesting. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I'll kind of get into why it maybe slipped down a little bit. Well, later. I think it,
0: it used to be definitely in my time. Yeah. My
1: you top. now prefer songs from New World, don't you? Songs
0: You Knew World is definitely my favourite. Jason Robert Brown. Jason Robert Brown. Even, even above already, Parade. Yeah, even though I've already spoken about Parade. Parade, I spoke about, and I would love obviously Parade, but it's, it, to me, I mean, it's a musical. Songs for New World is not really a musical. It's no. a review. So Yeah, a,
1: cha- a chamber. They call it like a chamber opera or something Yeah, I
0: and I think Parade is technically the better one. Mm. It's definitely the best.
1: I think Parade is his strongest his overall strongest, musical. Yeah, his strongest work. When from you, top yeah, to when you look at the whole thing, I think it's his strongest. Yeah. Even though it's very serious, which is probably the reason why it's never worked commercially, yeah. it is the strongest show overall. It is.
0: That, that's the reason why I've already talked about Parade, but Songs for New World is my favorite. My personal favorite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, So for those who don't know the story of Last Five Years, it's a two-hander. There's only two actors in it. Love that. Um, And it is essentially the story of a relationship from beginning to end over the course of five years. And the sort of twist in how it's performed is that – uh, his story moves forwards as it normally would and her story moves backwards. So they're actually only physically together in, in the middle time. of the show in time yeah. at their wedding. Yeah. So that is sort of the twist. It's uh, it's
0: cool. It's a cool yeah, idea. It's a cool is idea. It, it
1: wouldn't work if it wasn't for that. No,
0: like those sort of nonlinear stories didn't really, that wasn't a thing. Like now it's probably more common to have nonlinear storytelling mm. in lots of different modes but then yeah. it wasn't.
1: And the interesting thing I think with this is that like I'll go through the production history. It has not had that many productions. When you add up the number of professional performances it's had, it's really not that many. But, of course, I think being two performers, being that everyone loves the music, it has been done by so many community theatres the world over. It is beloved by so many people. Um, It's just an interesting one because there actually hasn't been that many.
0: And I'm I'm sure you'll get into this, but the actual show itself is not really, you know – interesting
1: yeah I'll I'll talk about that Mm. let's talk about it now so I don't think the show works on stage
0: yeah this was one of my talking points (laughs)
1: um and I've seen it I reckon I've seen it professionally about four or five times and Mm. I've seen a bunch of I've seen this show a lot over the years and I have yet to see a version that I think works yeah and the reason I would say that in the Heights probably overtook it a little bit in terms of my favourites, is this album is so good. The original cast album <gasps> with Norbert Leo Butts and Sherry True, Renee, Renee Scott, Scott is incredible. And, and is. that is probably the way to consume this show.
0: I, d- I don't think if you listen to the, to the original cast recording that you're missing out on anything no. by not seeing it.
1: There are very few pieces of dialogue that take place outside yeah. of those.
0: Like you're physically not missing any of the yeah. show. But also you don't need to see it. No.
1: And – so I, there's a few issues I think that happen when I've seen it. Mm. What's happened a couple of times is that one of the performers has not been strong enough. Yeah, it, it does is, take a lot. It is a massive sing this show.
0: If you even just took like because I sung all the songs in the female songs in the show separately. Yeah, I cannot imagine singing them all in the course of one night. Right, like that would be demanding as fuck.
1: Yeah, I remember you did "Summer in Ohio" for this concert that we did, and I remember you saying to me, "I." Did not realize how much of a sing this is. Yeah. And And yeah. I yeah, I just think and then and the men's songs as well. Huge. And so that's happened a few times where Mm. I felt like one of the performances has not been quite as strong as the other. Yeah. That's I would say that's one of the big things. And then the second thing is that they've just gotten confused with maybe how to stage it so the set has overwhelmed it a few times when I've seen it they've they've just tried to do too many set changes or too many costume changes for each of these individual scenes Mm. and yeah it's just overwhelmed the show and it's been clunky and it's got to be so smooth and it's just got to feel like these little
0: if I did it I just would
1: do so little with it
0: I, it's interesting that you've never seen one that's worked yet. It does make me think that there's no solution mm. to the problem. Like maybe it's not fixable.
1: Well, I know JRB's done it in concert a few times. That makes sense. Yeah. So and in a few of those, he's played Jamie and played the piano. Um,
0: oh, I don't think he could sing all of Jamie. Well, I think
1: he sings it. It's I just mean, not how nice you think voice. it's going to – it's not how you want that Ada sound. Yeah. It's just that – but I don't know, there is also something great about hearing someone who's written the work sing it themselves. Yeah. And I,
0: when I, he plays piano, oh, yeah. swoon.
1: So, but yes, but it's been in concert quite a few times mm-hmm. and I, I think concert is probably the best way to view it in that mm. sense. They probably do the whole thing because there's well, very yeah, there's little dialogue. Else. Yeah, that's right. So, yes, I, I just want to preface it by saying that as much as I love this show, I've never seen it work. <sighs> and I and I don't it's actually like. I don't of, know that there's a solution. I
0: think it's one of theatre's greatest tragedies. Yeah, such a such an incredible, cut like, musical score cannot work on yeah, stage. I know.
1: So just back to some of the productions. So the original, the very first production was in Skokie, Illinois, and that was from May to July two thousand and one, hmm. and that was it was. Norbert Leo Bartz, but not sure not if Renee sure. Scott, it, it was Lauren it was Kennedy. Lauren Kennedy. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Lauren Kennedy, who's a very good friend of Jason Robert Brown's and a like a, a big collaborator of his, she released a song. It's just called Songs of Jason Robert Brown, isn't yes. it? Yeah, Lauren Kennedy. I'm sings. pretty sure it's on – yeah, sings Jason Robert Brown. It's on, it's on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. It's great. Listen to it. Yeah,
0: she's got a beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. Very – um, uh, like <sighs> – not, Big range. But not poppy, like not poppy musical theatre. Like I wouldn't it's say. It's not very contemporary. No. Which I think
1: she does a lot of, she did a lot of, well, for example, for this she couldn't do the Off-Broadway Run because she was doing South Pacific in London. Yeah,
0: she would do, that's her More voice. legit. Yeah, more legit but also do, sings the shit out of these yeah, songs. Exactly, yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. So she was always um, involved yeah. and, then, um, and then unfortunately couldn't do this Off-Broadway Run. Mm. So it moved to um, – the Mineta Lane Theatre off Broadway. And it ran there from March the 2nd to May the 2nd, 2002. So, again, Not like long. two months. Mm. Um, and that was with Sherry Renee Scott and Norbert Leo Butz. Daisy Prince, how Prince's daughter directed um, that Elaborator both runs. And she also directed Songs for New World. Yeah. That's how Jason Brown got involved in Parade, as we know, et cetera, et cetera. So, that was it. That was that original production. But because – So Sherry Renee Scott and her husband, um, I think I don't think they're together anymore, but for many years they ran um, Shikaboom Records, and they and so they recorded the show. So even though it only had like this little two month off Broadway run, they believed in the show enough that they recorded it. And I think that recording is why it has a life. That's
0: exactly right.
1: Yeah, and that's true of quite a few shows um, over the years. I think it's also true of Songs for a New World. Correct. And I think it's true of um, a show like Be More Chill that happened to um, in different ways. There's definitely shows over the years that that has really. Yeah,
0: haven't been super successful on Broadway Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean Be More Chill, like that had had a run in New Jersey and they recorded a cast album. That was the cast album. It was something like the second most streamed album on Spotify in 2006. Eighteen,
0: yeah, which is amazing, just considering it's like number one was Hamilton.
1: It beat Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, uh,
0: considering that in terms of Broadway, it's sort of, no, not a banger or a whimper, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that's it, and yeah. and yeah, then when it finally came to Broadway, unfortunately, it didn't do that well. But no. yeah, it's 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 quite amazing that these cast recordings have given these shows a much longer life yeah. than they would have otherwise. Well, had. even
0: just like uh, for you and me, I know at that time, like we're not going to New York, you know, like we're not going to Broadway and these shows are not coming to Australia. Exactly. It's the only way we could could get them, you know.
1: Exactly. So then, there's quite a big gap as it becomes popular in the mm. musical theater canon. Sort yeah. of canon. Um, there's an off Broadway revival in 2013, uh, which starred Adam Cantor and Betsy Wolfe, and J- J- Jason Rob Brown directed that production. Yeah. Um, the cast recording's available to listen to. It's on Spotify. That was at Second Stage Theater. Yeah. Um, Did
0: you like that cast? <sighs> it's just really hard. I mean, look, this is because I'm very attached to the original.
1: Yes, I'm incredibly attached to the original. Mm. I can't listen to anything else.
0: And I see cuz I've re-listened to it recently. I don't think it's because of nostalgia that the reason why I'm attached. Okay. It's just very good. The yeah. cast are very good. Like, and I've seen
1: Adam Cantor and, and Betsy Wolfe in other things. I think I they're think very talented performers. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: But something about, because I think Norbert Leo Butts and Sherry Renee Scott have very unique voices. Yes. Incredibly unique. unique. It's a tautology, sorry. But just <laughs> so they're very interesting tones are really set into those songs for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. Mm. Um, and then the film, which Josephine hasn't seen.
0: No, and I never will. She refuses to. Of course I do. Fuck that.
1: (laughs) Came out in 2015 and that, of course, had Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan.
0: Why did it have Anna Kendrick in it? So Anna Anna
1: Kendrick is a Tony-nominated performer for a musical. Does that mean
0: anything, Ruth? Yeah, I think it does. Do you reckon? She was 12. So?
1: Well, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, but do you think the Tonys are a true reflection of...
1: I think then it, do, it does. Yeah, she wasn't She wasn't a Hollywood star then.
0: How the, talented do you think you have to be at 12, though?
1: Pretty talented. Oh, I, I think Galen Kendrick's talented. I just vocally don't think she was up to the role in this case.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, but as I we said, like she wasn't you Cinderella. have to have such a
1: good voice. In Into
0: the Woods, she wasn't good at that. Mm, I didn't hate her as Cinderella. I did. I hated her. <laughs> <laughs> Hate her as an
1: actress. Either. No, I
0: think she's a great actress. Okay,
1: you just but haven't liked her in movie musicals. No, and
0: this is we've talked about it before. How hard is it though? I mean, there's not a lack of singers in the world who could sing this part.
1: I just think if you were writing a list of Hollywood performers who are singers like, if you're going to cast someone, I can see why she would be near the top of your list. Well, I
0: just don't think that should be the list. It should. She be at Hollywood. least has
1: some cred to her, whereas...
0: But that's like saying we, maybe Kristen Bell could have been cast and she, she also could've. has cred. She would be great Cinderella. But Oh, Cinderella, yeah, not Kathy. Do you know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, you're like, right. Just because you've... Like, Catherine Zeta-Jones couldn't have sung it and these yeah. people all have cred. Yeah,
1: you need someone who has a ridiculous voice.
0: Ridiculous. Like,
1: which Jeremy Jordan, I think...
0: He was well cast. He
1: was well cast. And actually... I quite like him in the film. I think that the film has some issues. I just, again, I don't think it works as a film. I don't know why
0: that happens. I don't think it works as a story.
1: Yeah. I mean, but the fact of the matter is, of course, in the film, they're both in every scene. Oh. So you sort of get don't get to see oh. them come together. in it. Like it doesn't really make sense in the so, same way that the staging does. So
0: in the film it doesn't adhere to the nonlinear storyline? No, it
1: does. We're just switching between oh. scene to scene. But, of course, the other person is basically always oh, in is there like, but in reacting. their time
0: oh I see. yeah oh yeah so you don't get any of the magic of, no and because the whole point is that you see their the only emotional development you see from either of them is that kathy from the beginning is devastated by yeah. the breakup and she's always devastated and gradually like that oh that won't work yeah. that's why i'm not seeing the film <laughs> see i knew there was a reason and then
1: my other biggest my other big gripe with the film is that in the stage show, the way it's generally performed is that, and spoiler spoiler alert, but a big part of the reason they break up is that Jamie cheats on Kathy. Yeah.
0: There are and other things. There are other yes. things
1: too, but it's part of it. And in the stage show, it is heavily alluded to that he's cheated on her with his book agent, Elise, mm. and um, through a couple of pieces of dialogue and a line in um, a couple of the songs. And that Nobody Needs to Know is being sung to Elise, the book agent, that he's slept with her and it's the next day and he's singing to her. Mm. And in the movie, it's like in Nobody Needs to Know, he's like slept with like a cavalcade of women. So it's like we see him sleep with several different women in the course of this song.
0: That's not even the point of the song. Right? That's losing the whole – because that song is actually quite – I mean, it's a heavy, heavy song, but it's also sort of like emotionally confusing because he feels something for this other woman. Yeah. That's the whole point.
1: Yeah. And he's singing to one person. To one
0: person. And it does end Ed. with him singing to Elise.
1: Like that's in the movie. It ends with it, but it starts with him sleeping with like the Who receptionist. Who this
0: pile of shit?
1: <laughs> uh, he, I think his name's like Richard Gravenese or something like that.
0: Well, Richard. Fucking hell. <laughs> like.
1: Yeah. So that is my other big. Um criticism of the film um because i just think it sort of i'll talk about it in a bit but when people always go whose fault is it or you know this sort of thing the film is like jamie is a jerk and he and he like the film paints it in that way it's way too far in that direction yeah
0: so what i do love about listening to the cast recording is that you see incredible character flaws from both of them and you see how both have contributed to the degradation of the relationship yeah correct and that I think is it's just such a realistic painting of a relationship. Yeah, and I have to say
1: like one of the things that I had to talk about is that when we were teenagers, and I, I bet this is the same for teenagers who are becoming obsessed with the show now, it was always like – it's Jamie's fault. Yep. It's Kathy's fault, and there was this whole thing. Now we're in our thirties. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, it's a toxic relationship that should never have worked. Oh, and those
0: people are well, not suited. Yeah,
1: and now you look at it and you go, it's no one's fault. Yeah.
0: Well, I just see now. Oh, they they didn't know how to communicate. They yep. didn't know how to support 100%. each other. They didn't know how to have a relationship with two creative people. And they
1: rushed into moving. Into oh, yeah. They're in
0: their twenties. Yeah. It's so funny because I I remember I remember having these conversations, earnest conversations yeah. with you when you were te- when we were teenagers. Yeah. Like, Can you? believe jamie did this i know kathy's such a shrew
1: how can anyone think it could ever be kathy's fault <laughs> because all we saw on paper was jamie cheats jamie on kathy. cheats
0: but when you look back there's a lot of shit that kathy does to jamie and also it's like yeah it's like you can't
1: yeah look at it and it, unless your production that should be the aim of your production is for it to feel like there is this completely issues on both sides yeah, yeah. And but surely
0: that's just a realistic look at relationships, anyway. Yeah. Like, how could you possibly paint a relationship any other way? Yeah, exactly.
1: Ugh. Um. So then, after there was also London um, in 2016, it played at the St James Theatre.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's uh, a nice theatre, which
1: is a um. It's so Andrew Lloyd Webber owns it, mm. and it's like only, I think it's only a few hundred seats. Yeah.
0: Well, you couldn't have the last five years in a big theatre. No.
1: And so it was. Um, it's kind of like they call it off West End because yeah. it, even though the West End doesn't have a really solid definition in the same way Not that like Broadway, Broadway does. So, yeah. like Broadway, it's to do with the size of the theater. I think we've talked about that before. Yes. it's f- five hundred or more seats. In the West End, it's more about the theater district. Yeah, it's And it's, yeah. it's if those theaters are a member of the Society of London Theaters, like it's just yeah, it's kind so of funny. a funny yeah. designation. Yeah. Um, so there was a production in two thousand and sixteen, um, which I saw with Samantha Barks, who people will know as eponym in the Ms. Film. <laughs> you don't like her?
0: I don't like her. I don't like that film. Fuck it all.
1: <laughs> she's also playing uh, Elsa in Frozen? in Frozen on the West End. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was terrible. I don't think she's that bad. She wasn't terrible in this.
0: She's, she's got a great in that voice. Film. She has a great voice. Well, then why did On My Own sound so bad?
1: Oh, probably because of um, silly auto tune and pitch things. <sighs> Like, she sounds good, but she sings it in the um, 25th anniversary concert. I disagree. Okay. What don't
0: you like about it? I think it's probably just that she does it the way that everyone does it.
1: Yeah, like, she certainly doesn't bring much new to it. No. I would agree I, with that. I
0: think her voice is too contemporary for the role of Eponine. Mm, interesting. I think you should have a more legit singer in the role of Eponine. The woman in Australia... mm
1: do you remember her name? Greenwood, Carrie uh, ann Greenland. 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 That's it, yeah, is my favourite Eponine I've ever seen.
0: She was fantastic.
1: I loved her. Yeah, she was. I really loved good. her
0: voice. Yeah, I agree with and that. And I've seen
1: that show professionally like fifteen times. Oh yeah.
0: Although I do <laughs> love Leah Salonga as Eponine. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that's that's like OG. <laughs> that's OG. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's for so sure. Sorry. So
0: Samantha, Samantha Marks <laughs> and
1: Jonathan Bailey uh, was I knew um, that Jamie. Name. Probably because I mean. you did Company the other week, and yeah. he was ja- Jamie, also Jamie. Yeah, he was in, Jamie in
0: Company, the gender swapped version of, of Amy. Amy.
1: Yeah, in yeah, Company. Yeah. Now he won an Olivier for that. He was um, excellent. Yeah.
0: Well, you got to see him getting married.
1: And yes, exactly. <laughs> and so that's what I is kind of insane to me because I also saw him in company, which he was excellent in because he was not excellent in this.
0: Oh. And it,
1: I think honestly he was sick oh. because he vocally was cracking all over the place. It was, it was, I think I saw a preview
0: Jeez. in our
1: talk about previews and yeah, openings yeah. and things. So it would have been a bit, Um, mental for them but he vocally was not up to it when I saw it unfortunately it was a real shame how
0: nice though that you have the perspective of seeing him and other things and knowing that he just probably wasn't at his best which is definitely
1: something that happens
0: well they're just people yeah
1: and (laughs) and someone can be talented and not suit a role
0: totally oh (laughs) please remember that when
1: you audition for things people you
0: may just not suit it yeah
1: that yep. may be not what the director sees. Yeah. They could be wrong, but it's their show. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I saw that production again. I think I think J.R.B. directed that one as well.
0: Can I just say that I love J.R.B. so much?
1: So much. I love him. We've loved him for a long time. Forever. It's enduring. Just,
0: like, as soon as he became part of my consciousness, I loved him. Yep,
1: same. I remember listening to Songs for a New World on my Discman.
0: <laughs> at a party,
1: at a party in Year Twelve,
0: yeah, when oh. everyone else
1: was outside drinking, and I was like, "We did
0: have the same childhood, didn't we?" Yeah,
1: I was sitting inside, <laughs> listening to songs from New World, <laughs> listening to King of the World over and over again, obsessively.
0: God, will you one day let me sing that song instead of a man? No. Um.
1: <laughs>
0: so related to that, Josephine God and dear. I were
1: obsessed, as I said, with, as teenagers with this show. And a yeah. fun story is that uh, this was back before spotify was a thing this is back before itunes was a thing this is
0: back in the limewire days right so
1: limewire so this is when we all illegally downloaded songs look
0: we're not proud of it but we're it not happened. proud of it but
1: also it this is the only way we not, could access unless you were able to access the cd which we would have had to go to sydney to buy
0: or for some of them like order it from america yeah definitely which would be like hundreds of dollars yes yeah. back in the day and so
1: limewire became a thing it was a you know, a music sharing platform where you could, but you would download the songs individually. Yeah. And I remember getting this show over the course of like a
0: month. Well, it was also really hard to find the list of songs. Like you'd have to really search. Yeah. It's not like Wikipedia was like here's the That's list. Right. didn't exist. We didn't you'd know what to... the album was. It was
1: also, it was often only if there was like a track Numbers. listing number in yes. the file name. <laughs> And then my favourite story from that is oh. that Summer in Ohio, yeah. for whatever reason, the person who had uploaded it to LimeWire, the last 10 seconds or so of the song were missing from yeah. the track. So for years we didn't know how the track ended. Ruth
0: and I both, like because we had the same version because Ruth had downloaded it. I'm just throwing you yeah. to, the, to the dogs there. <laughs> we actually just didn't know how it ended. And it ended at the most weird spot. It was like, yeah. Mrs. Jamie Willer. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah,
1: that's it. And so for years, that's how we thought the song ended.
0: Do you remember the first time we heard the ending? Yeah. And
1: we were like, what's going on? It's
0: like, oh, oh, that's not. Like, that's not oh, right. I that's
1: not how it sounds. Nope, I don't like that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's my, back in the day, that's how we had to get musical theatre Do you, you remember recordings.
0: when Borders came to Australia and suddenly we had access to these cast recordings? Like. Yeah. That was a game changer.
1: And you worked there so we could order them in. Correct. Yeah. And
0: we did order we them did. in.
1: Speaking of Borders, I've got my list of lyric changes that have been made over the years oh. in the show. So as the years have progressed, I mean yes, it's cause 19 is years. Yeah, it's 19 years since it opened. So
0: for the for the young listeners, Borders was a big book, a book music store that yeah. also had a coffee shop in we it. We don't it really quite...
1: have anything like it in Australia now.
0: No, I would say if you've ever been to Kinokuniya in Sydney, yep. it's probably the closest that I could Yeah, that's the closest thing to Borders. Yeah. Borders was a an institution. A true haven. It's kind of like if like Dimex
1: and JB Hi-Fi were a store, but, but also with a cafe in yeah, there. Yeah,
0: and like ambiance, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not like prices flashing at you or anything. Yeah. Like and it was a lovely like, place.
0: Not just like fiction books, but also like they had a whole art section mm. and like a world religion section. And they were big section. stores. Big, yeah. Mm. Oh,
1: they were lovely. Yeah. Josephine worked there. Yeah. I um, worked there with my mum. And so there's day. a lyric um, in there about Borders f- from Summer in Ohio. Yeah. I saw your book at a Borders in Kentucky. So Borders went bust, I don't know, somewhere in those intervening 19 years. Yeah. And um, probably a while ago. Yeah. They changed it to Target.
0: Oh, Target. Yeah, which in the states is like a department store. different yeah. to what we have is a little I think different. It's just
1: a little bit different to what we have. Yeah, it's a bit different. Um, the other one is uh, one of the lines is these are the folks that cast Linda Blair in a musical, <laughs> and uh, in the movie, it's which I think is now an improved version. These are the folks who cast Russell Crowe in a musical. Speaking oh, of the
0: latest film, yeah, did they change folks as well? Because it used to be these are the people who cast Linda Blair. In a musical? Oh yeah, no. Oh, okay.
1: People, I don't
0: know. I thought maybe "folks" was a more <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> palatable word. Now,
1: <laughs> and then the other one is um, in "I Can Do Better Than That." She said, um, Duran "Talks Duran? about no." She talks about dating a guy who um, you might say looked like Tom oh, Cruise. Tom Cruise yeah. And of course, Tom Cruise's public image has changed a lot over that preceding nineteen years as well. Yes. Um, he used to be obviously a real <laughs> pin-up boy, and now he's a crazy Scientologist. <laughs> and so that line is now. Um, dating someone with some very well-placed tattoos. That's the line now.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Instead of you might say look like Tom Cruise.
0: That doesn't work the same. Oh, it's
1: fine. I'd rather that <laughs> than Tom Cruise. Okay, I'll
0: shush. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Um, so the there's a bunch of cameos in the film, just if someone's watching Why it. Why are we talking about the film? I just – this is fun. Ugh. You'll like this. Okay. So – um, <laughs> shut up. Um. <laughs> Jason Robert Brown is playing piano at one point when that's she auditions cool. for something. That's so cool. is his wife Georgia Stitt yeah. um, in a different point. Uh,
0: well, that's interesting considering what the show is. originally Yeah, about. I'll get to that in a yeah, second. Sorry, sorry.
1: Um, Sherry Renee Scott is also like on an audition panel. Um,
0: for those who might know Little Mermaid, Sherry Renee Scott was Ursula. Ursula,
1: yes. If you've ever listened to the original Broadway cast of Yeah, Little and Mermaid, maybe our
0: younger listeners have listened to that. So she is Ursula. Yes, yeah, correct. Doesn't do much anymore. No, which is sad because
1: she's, she's incredible, really amazing. She's so amazing. She's also
0: really funny. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: she wrote a show called Everyday Rapture. Yeah. That is really worth certainly listen to the cast recording if nothing else. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, and it went to Broadway. Like yeah. it's amazing. Is Albert
0: Leo Butts in it? In the film? No,
1: unfortunately, I don't know why. Oh, but he wasn't. He's
0: a great screen actor. Yeah.
1: Um. Jeremy Jordan's wife, Ashley Spencer, is the receptionist at the um like at the book agency, and so he's, she's the first one he sleeps with. Oh. Um, and then in Summer in Ohio, when they talk about the former stripper and her snake, Wayne, that's Betsy Wolf who played. So all the previous cappies. Oh, that's cool. Are in it, which is, is Lauren nice.
0: Kennedy in it? I don't think Lauren Kennedy's in it. So when you said all the previous cappies, well, the previous you didn't mean it.
1: professional recorded
0: cappies. Okay,
1: yeah. Um. So. As Josephine alluded to, what is now? I always kind of just this is a bit of a myth-busting thing, but I always just assumed it was like widely known that this was definitely based on his marriage, his first marriage, wasn't it? Like, he has never admitted that,
0: um, and
1: he's apparently he's quite elusive about it in well, interviews.
0: But there's a lot of evidence you can piece together yeah
1: so basically he was his first marriage was to a woman called theresa o'neill we're talking about jason brown the composer and when they got divorced their divorce settlement had really specific terms in it saying that their marriage could not be used as material for the show and um and basically because of that and then when the show was going ahead he obviously his,
0: couldn't say his
1: ex-wife was like no yeah this this is breaking the terms of our divorce agreement.
0: But that's, I mean, so yes, he's never mentioned it, but she has been quite vocal about the fact that there are some issues with parts of the show that she thinks is. Yeah. And so her what ended up. Or, this
1: was settled, I believe, out of court. So we don't know the exact no. things. But one of the things was that. There was a
0: song removed. There was a song
1: removed, and her name was ch- slightly. So it used to be Kathleen and not Kathy. Yes. And the song was called I Could Be in Love with Someone Like You. And that song became "Shiksa Goddess. Yes. And so essentially, the references that get changed in the show like are from Kathy being Irish, Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. Yeah. And so they basically de Irish Catholic the show yeah. and change it to Kathy instead of Kathy. Because Kathleen. What's her
0: name? Kathy O'Neill. Kathy no, her name's Teresa O'Neill. Teresa O'Neill. O'Neill. Yeah. O'Neill's a very Irish name. Yeah,
1: and so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting
0: one. I I I have no doubt that it is about their marriage. 100 percent. Yeah, and it's always actually fascinated me that he wrote because, like, like we said, we always thought Jamie was sort of the villain of the piece. It's quite autobi it's like semi-autobiographical yeah. he really is um, quite honest about his own role in the well, demise I of the relationship think a
1: little bit like like almost like a martyrdom
0: oh, like really? I well, have no doubt he's probably a very arrogant man but
1: still yeah him. I mean there's definitely stories out there about hmm. that but I think we've talked about it before. Being talented, I think that happens with some people. I
0: think you have to, though. Yeah. You have to to believe in yourself a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, and then I love, I remember Georgia Stitt, who's his current wife, who's also a composer. definitely listen to her work as well. She's great. She has an album called. My Lifelong Love and there's a few others. This Ordinary Thursday is another album of hers. I love This Ordinary Thursday. Yeah, great. And um, so there's a few albums of hers out there. She writes beautiful music. They met doing the national tour of Parade. I think I mentioned that in the Parade episode. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, But I love she tweeted once when the Off-Broadway revival was happening that she thinks she's the only one who thinks that last five years has a happy ending.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, she would. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, So I love that.
0: Also, it does sort of end in that beautiful goodbye until tomorrow. Yes, it's a stunning song. It's a stunning song. Yeah.
1: Um, So Gateway songs. My suggestion is just kind of two songs from each of them. Yes. Um, My suggestions would be Summer in Ohio, Moving Too Fast, Climbing Uphill, and Nobody Needs to Know.
0: Wow, that is not what I would have suggested. Really?
1: What would you have said?
0: I would say the Shmuel song. Yeah. I would say... I would say Shiksa Goddess. I love Shiksa Goddess. Okay, those two for Jamie and for Kathy. I would say, "See, I'm smiling, and I can do better than that." Oh, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> the whole show, basically. <laughs> Except for Why the next don't you ten just minutes. Listen to and the opening and
1: closing. <laughs>
0: Maybe just listen to the whole thing. You won't regret it.
1: Oh dear, <laughs> neither of us picked part of that or. Oh, I love all the songs. Honestly, I love all the songs.
0: All the songs. I don't skip any of them. See I'm
1: smiling is one of my favorite songs in the entire world. Yeah. I just don't know Still if Still
0: Hurting's beautiful too. Yeah,
1: I just don't I just don't know if it's something I would pick for someone listening to it for the first time.
0: I understand Summer in Ohio is very accessible. It's
1: very ex- I think Summer in Ohio and Climbing Up Hill just they're
0: funny. I don't like climbing up hill. Don't you?
1: Yeah. I think it's a very funny song. I think
0: I'm sick of it. Like okay. just, it's just too much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and and moving too fast and nobody needs to know gives you a good sort of example of the fast, ama- like upbeat sort of songs in it and as well as the like really the crushing, <laughs> crushing. crushing devastation of Nobody there Needs was to a Know. Time,
0: there was a period of time where Ruth and I couldn't listen to Nobody Needs to Know. Yeah. Like, we would just have to skip it because it's too upsetting. Too much. Too much. Too much. Anyway, that's the last five years. Oh, that was in that was very enjoyable. Thank you. Okay, I don't think you're going to enjoy mine as much. Why? Well, I don't even know if you like this. Okay. You will never guess what I'm about to talk about. I'm going to tell you about You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown.
1: Ah. Yeah, that's I, right. I've never seen this show professionally. Yes. I've only seen it once and it was when you were in it.
0: I was in it. You saw me in it.
1: Yeah, that's and it. And some other friends. That was years ago.
0: So, okay, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. It, Like so many others that I love, I did a production of it. Yeah. And so being that immersed in a show – does change the way you look at it and did, you think about it. Did you it.
1: know it before you were in
0: it? I did know it and I knew it pretty well before I was in it. Yeah. But I certainly wouldn't have said it was one of my favourites. But interestingly, the production itself that I was in wasn't necessarily a very positive experience. Yeah. It's not like I had this transformative no. experience with the show. So the fact that I still love it after that is – that's probably, good, yeah. yeah. that's a good sign. So, yeah, I'm actually, interestingly, not a fan of the comic strip that this is based oh, on, which okay. Peanuts. Yeah. Um, it, not because I don't like it, but probably because it's just a bit too old for me. Like, mm. comic strips weren't really a thing, and Peanuts is a very old comic strip.
1: So, yeah, yeah
0: it just wasn't really a thing, and I'm not really into comics, so – Okay, so the plot of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, there actually is really no plot. It's basically just a musical representation of a bunch of different comic strips, I would say. Right. So, like, it's just, like, a series of the strips.
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell you the plot well, now, like there is my one. head. Yeah. Well,
0: each, like, each scene or song sort of represents some sort of, like, hijinks that you would see mm-hmm. on a strip. Yeah. So there are, like, there are certain tropes that you expect from Peanuts, for example, like um, – Lucy being mean to Charlie Brown or like Snoopy being the Red Baron or Schroeder playing the piano. Like right. there are certain tropes that are expected. And so the musical is literally just those in vignettes accompanied by songs. Mm. That's it. So if you like Peanuts then and you like those characters, it, this will be a no-brainer for you. Yeah, I think what the beauty of the show is though is like adults playing children. So like in Spelling Bee, adults playing children – I think can really work and it really works I love it. Yes. And not even like, it's not even just adults playing kids, but cartoon kids. Mm. So there's sort of like another layer to it. Um, And it traditionally has a really simple set and sort of just like the expected costumes for the comic strip. So there's just like one costume per character and they don't change costume. And the set is very simple because it's not like not a through story. You don't need to have set changes or anything like that. So I really love the simplicity. Like I, I love a simple show. Same. Yeah. I just don't think you need to make crazy anyway. Okay. Background. Clark Gesner wrote music and lyrics and the book is credited to a John Gordon in inverted commas, which is actually like this collective pseudonym for just a range of people who contributed to the original script. So like including some cast and production staff and, and also the fact that the comic strip already existed. So John Gordon is not a real person. Ah, uh, yes, love it. Which is sort of cool. Um, in a bit of history, like it's the early 60s, Clark Gessner began writing songs based on Charles Schultz, because Charles Schultz is the um, the original author of the comic strip. Yeah. Um, so Clark Gessner began writing songs based on Peanuts' characters, but he actually couldn't get permission to use the characters in his songs because he, right. like, he approached um, United Features Syndicate who owned the rights to the characters and they were like, no – But then he actually just sent some demos directly to Schultz and Schultz was like, yeah, amazing, let's do this. (laughs) So um, he actually, Schultz said, yeah, let's make some official recordings of these songs. So then they they laid them down. That happened in 1966 like in a proper studio. And there were actually like no plans for a musical at that stage. It was never sort of intended to be a musical. Mm. But a producer whose name was Arthur Whitelaw, he sort of heard it and then encouraged Gesner to turn the album into a musical. And yeah. that's, I mean, like lots of concept albums, it turned into a musical, the difference being it was never intended to be. Mm. Interestingly, actually, Arthur Whitelaw would go on to write the book for Snoopy the musical, which is sort of styled as a sequel to You're okay. a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Um, yeah, it focuses more on the life of Snoopy. I'm not a fan of Snoopy the musical, but you might be. <laughs> um, so anyway, the stage show went into rehearsal. Make your and, own
1: choices. Yeah, you
0: know, I'm <laughs> – i'm opening up in that way yeah <laughs> the stage show uh, went into rehearsal in new york in 67 it premiered on my birthday in 1967 off broadway at oh. theater 80 so a lot of people think that you're a good man charlie brown is not that old a musical yeah. because there's been a quite famous broadway revival but it is it's quite an old musical. yeah and so 67 is that's pretty old um so it opened off Broadway at Theatre 80, then opened on Broadway at the John Golden Theatre in 1971. So it was off Broadway for, what's that, four years. Wow. It's a pretty long run. Yeah. Um, once it opened, though, on Broadway in 1971, it didn't really stay there for very long. And the theatre that it opened in, the John Golden, is actually like one of the smallest Broadway theatres. Right. It's only like 800 seats or something. Um, that theatre housed Avenue Q and Falsettos. Okay. It also just had like the original
1: falsettos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But
0: it's mainly used for straight plays because it's such a small theatre. So, yeah. Um, That Broadway run closed after 32 performances and 15 previews. So, not a super long. Like a flop. Oh, pretty much. Except that it had been off Broadway for four years. Yeah. So, yeah. The show really. Because it was so, so successful off-Broadway, it did warrant like a West End version. Mm. So it had to go on the West End. It had a 1973 TV special mm. like of the musical. Um, that unfortunately was never released on VHS or DVD. Oh. So you can't see can't it. can get it, yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, boo. So, okay, now we move on to that Broadway revival. So it's 1999, the Broadway revival happens. It actually began as a tour in 98 and it moved into the Ambassador Theatre, it only played 14 previews and 149 performances. Mm. Not a huge run. No. No. Um, the revival featured some new dialogue by Michael Mayer, who you may know for directing Spring Awakening and a couple of other things. And Rent. Yeah. We. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that's right. Rent. Yeah. Which version of it? Rand- like the original? Yeah. Oh, I don't it's think either him so. or Michael
1: Greif. I get them confused sometimes.
0: I don't think he – no, I don't think it was Michael Mayer. Okay. Anyway, definitely wrong. Spring Awakening. Um, new songs and orchestrations by Andrew Lipper. The character of Sally Brown was also added to the revival. So in the original production, Sally Brown wasn't a thing. It was the character of Patty. Yeah. Um, and so then in the revival, it was it turned into Sally Brown, who's Charlie Brown's younger sister. I was thinking sister. of Michael
1: Greif. I apologise. Okay.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Um, the Revival had an incredibly dynamic cast, like yeah. hugely dynamic. So we're talking about like it starred Anthony Rapp as Charlie Brown. <laughs> speaking in, of Rent. Speaking of Rent, he was actually good in this though.
1: Yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Kristen Chenoweth was Sally when she was pretty young. Roger Bart was Snoopy. B.D. Wong was Linus. He You might know him um, as the main scientist in Jurassic Park films. Yes um stanley wayne mathis was schroeder and Ilana levine mm. was lucy who we've talked about from her podcast little known facts yeah and little known facts is actually a title of one of yeah. lucy's songs in charlie brown yeah yeah so
1: she sings it as the theme song it's so the podcast. Cute.
0: yeah so we spoke about her check out her podcast little known facts um the original production was very well received like it was incredibly popular from the start even Mm. though it, it technically flopped on broadway it was hugely successful it was praised for its simplistic set the talent of the original cast the new york times called it a miracle almost everything works because almost everything is effortless wow that's the original and then conversely the revival was not well received
1: right
0: which is interesting it most of the complaints were really related to like over over overinflation of the simplicity of the show Uh. so I think like it's 99 big shows are sort of the thing on the Broadway and I think producers thought that bigger was better which just didn't work like generally it's pretty accepted that the revival was trying to be a blockbuster when it was just always supposed to be quite a small Mm. show it was just the show's not meant to be a blockbuster Christian Chenoweth and Roger Bart, though, were praised for their performances. They both won Tony Awards for their performances and they were very well deserved. Yeah. Um,
1: I've always heard that it was kind of very clear that She was just such a star, yeah, and that this was the thing that was going to propel her career, yeah, and And everyone could see that. A
0: lot of the reviews say that, like, oh, there's such a divide between Sally and Snoopy and the rest of the characters. Like, there was clear, and not because, like, say Anthony Rapp was really great as Charlie Brown, but you just had Christian Chenoweth and Roger Bart who were just dynamic yeah life.
1: and they are both incredible. they are yeah they're yeah. both incredible and they're scene-stealing roles i guess as well they really
0: are so sally brown was the role that i played yeah and our good friend Stuart was snoopy if you remember yes, in that production right. and we did steal the whole show <laughs> <laughs> so some fun facts about you're a good man charlie brown according to andrew lipper's website the show has become the most produced musical in history oh wow and so it says it on andrew lipper's website I couldn't find –
1: You couldn't independently verify that I fact. I cannot
0: verify that fact. And obviously he didn't cite any references on his website. It's just such a – it's such a strong I statement guess, to make. I guess the only thing that
1: I could see that being true is that I know, say, for example, that Susicle I think, is still one of the most performed musicals um like in high by, school. Yeah, because yeah. so many amateur groups and and high schools do it. Yeah. And I guess you've got that, but you've also got like forty years of that well, with that's Charlie it. Brown. And
0: then the benefit of Charlie Brown, unlike and 60 by forty cool. years I mean
1: almost sixty years. Well, yeah. You just always think it's the year two
0: thousand in your oh, head. I, know. I literally do. <laughs> yeah. Um What's good about Charlie Brown is it is so simple to put on. Yeah. like So unlike Susical, which is quite a complex show mm. and a big cast, this doesn't – it requires one costume per character yeah. and there are like six people on stage and that's it. So I can understand why if that is true, it is true.
1: Mm. Um,
0: but, yeah, I can't verify that fact. So it's a fun maybe a fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew Lipper wrote – My New Philosophy and Beethoven Day, which are now very popular songs, yeah, just hugely popular. And yeah, they're not in the original production. They were added to the revival. Um, And the instrumentation on the original cast recording is incredibly simple. It's actually only a piano, a bass and some percussion, which is primarily a xylophone. And it's... It's so clever. Like it just works. If you know the Broadway revival, it's probably going to be quite jarring to you to listen to that original, but it's so it so works for the context of a comic strip and it's just really lovely. So that's why the like the original cast recording is my favorite.
1: Yeah. Over the revival. So you would still listen to the original? I do, yeah. Okay. Even
0: though the character that I played doesn't exist in the yeah. original, it's still to me, it's still a, just a perfect representation of the show. Even though like, yeah, it's recorded in the 60s, so it, it does sound quite dated in terms of the, vo- the style of the voices and all of that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so some gateway songs. Yes. I actually love pretty much everything in this show. Yeah. All the songs. It's what I would call musically a very traditional classic broadway show Mm. like i i would say the style of the numbers and the format of the numbers are very typical of broadway yeah like i would call it just a classic broadway show yeah um it's very boppy it's like quite joyful it's got you know there's it's got like a soprano and an alto and like it's it's very formulaic in that way um if you don't know it i think you should listen to the new revival like recording yeah i don't think you should Start with the original cast recording. Do it once you love it. I think so, yeah. Go back there once you're in love with it. Are they both on Spotify? Do you know they it? are both yeah, on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Um, the revival is just very well cast. Mm. Like, Anthony Rapp is actually wonderful as Charlie Brown. Yeah. Like well, he's a great actor. He is a great actor. And his voice is lovely. Like, when he sings the kite. Yeah, that's, that's a lovely really song. really beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, listen to the revival, even though I think the original is better. I think you should listen to your gateway song. should be Supper Time, sung yeah. by Roger Bart um he that's what he won the tony for it is very much deserved it's like a proper 11 o'clock number yeah. supper time it's amazing also the book report which a lot of people may not agree with it's the end of act one and it's basically like all the characters have to write a book report for school except for snoopy and sally but they're chasing rabbits and it's just a song that really demonstrates each of the characters sort of foibles um mm. really beautifully because these are cartoon characters you sort of highlight those character flaws. So this song just does that really nicely and there's cool harmonies. Um, But special mention goes to The Kite, which I just mentioned, and the song Schroeder, which is one of my favourites because it's – so it's Schroeder playing Moonlight Sonata on the piano. That's right. And Lucy – because Lucy's in love with Schroeder, she's just singing over the top of Moonlight Sonata (laughs) and it's so like – and because Ilana – Alana Levine has such a, like a grating.
1: Yes. Like on purpose. Nasally. Yeah. Cause Lucy's
0: quite an annoying character. It's hilarious to have like over the top of beautiful moonlight sonata, this really annoying grating. Yeah. Listen to Schroeder It's very, very sweet and cute and hilarious. And that's you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Is happiness the finale? It's the finale. That's yes. a
1: beautiful song. It
0: is beautiful. It's actually a song that I frequently sing at home. Yeah, happiness is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's lovely. lovely. Yeah,
1: and um, definitely YouTube, um, Kristen Chenoweth performing My New Philosophy at, at the, the Tony Awards. That's like a classic Tony Awards performance. Oh yeah,
0: so she she performs that with um Stanley Mathis mm. um who plays Schroeder, and it's like. She's so young in it, and she's so dynamic, and she's these amazing. It's, inc- it's incredible. Well, she like she is a cartoon character, yeah, and you can see this cartoon character come alive on stage. My suggestion for your YouTube
1: rabbit hole today mm-hmm. is for you to watch that and then watch her doing glitter and be <gasps> I was from just Candide. about to say that
0: because you know, you know <laughs> it's that that's such like a
1: great contrast.
0: When I because I watch both of those so often, it's like after I watch my new philosophy, it's, it's it starts it. up glitter yeah. and gay. <laughs> if you watch glitter and gay. Oh my god. Like it would that just shows her incredible depth as oh, a performer. It's
1: insane. And her voice is, she can just do so much.
0: Out of this world. Yeah.
1: It's out I of mean, this world. I mean, like, let's leave Wicked and all these other things she's done let's to one leave side. Wicked. Yes. But those two, they, that just shows you how yeah. amazing she is. Because
0: I think because she's done sort of like she's done a few movies and she's she was on Glee, she yeah. can sort of be cast aside as sort of like a non-serious contender. Mm. But even like listen to her sing the girl in 14G. Yeah. She's she's got mad range. It's insane. And her style, like she can, yeah. She's amazing. When we
1: talk, like when you talk about someone with so much technique Mm. but then also can still have such a character quality to her voice, it's almost like you never see it. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Definitely watch those two YouTube videos. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Lovely. Yeah. Excellent. I um I went I did go down a big YouTube rabbit hole. This did week. you? Well, there's just so much good stuff on there. Yeah. And I ended up watching. There's a bootleg of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the revival on okay. YouTube. It's worth watching, actually. I it's always a really like cute it when
1: people post bootlegs on YouTube, and it's like, not You're a Good Man, Charlie yeah. Brown. Like they'll say <laughs> things like that.
0: I don't know how they get away with saying You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Actually, yeah. Like,
1: well, someone has to get them to take it down. I guess yeah. people aren't bothering.
0: Well, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, we should we should pay for things if we can. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I'm not super in favour of bootlegs. There's a no. whole internet fight about it, but personally I'm not. No. But then, like, in York, you're, you're really glad that exists because you can watch part exists. of it. Well, it's like, hard. It's tricky. I, it's a real. I couldn't
0: be in New York in 1999 for those two months, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm glad it exists. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I wish, I'm really glad that now National Theatre is making it a point of, of professionally recording every single one of their productions.
1: Yeah. And I actually think that all this stuff with COVID will yeah. hopefully lead to, now that everyone's going, oh, my God, I wish we'd had this film yes. stuff to stream, hopefully they can start to make some agreements where things can be filmed and yeah. released.
0: And, I mean, I think once Hamilton comes out too, we'll see truly how popular yeah. filmed Broadway musicals could potentially could possibly be yeah um so it'll be interesting just to see what happens with that in i the future.
1: agree yeah. i agree yeah Great.
0: stay tuned excellent thanks josephine thanks ruth talk next week okay bye bye, bye.